Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sister Podcast. This is episode three. We took a bit of a hiatus between our first two episodes and our third because life sort of happened. Uh, we went on vacation with our family, which was wonderful. Rory started school again and was super busy with that. Um, I was also busy with work, and my fiance and I started like some serious wedding planning. Um, so we just had a ton going on. And Rory, as my maid of honor, has graciously, on top of her school and work schedule, been planning my bachelorette party. So I uh, can't really fault her for you know, not having time to do the podcast. Um, so we've both been really busy, but we're very excited to be back now. And we've made some changes to the podcast. Um, if you listen to our first two episodes, you know that we had decided initially that we were going to do the podcast in seasons of five episodes. And uh, we had centered the first season around Jane the Virgin. So our first two episodes were about Jane. We love that show. We have a million things that we could say. We literally can and have talked about Jane for hours and hours, but we decided that we wanted the podcast to be a little bit more accessible to a broader audience. And uh, since we had, since our break sort of coincided with the end of Jane, the TV show, we kind of thought let's leave Jane where she is and move on and discuss some new topics. So we are moving on for now. I'm sure Jane will come up at some point, but uh, for now we are going to just sort of move on to broader pop culture, literary movie uh, conversations, starting with today, uh, when we will be talking about our favorite female characters from TV shows. So we each have some picks we're going to discuss. And rather than proceed with seasons, we're just going to release episodes week by week. So just to give you guys a sense of where we're headed. So Rora, do you want to give some more context for today's episode? Sure. First, I would like to say that if I sound a little nasally or scratchy, it's because I am getting over a cold. So bear with me. Um, But I'm really excited about this revamp that we're doing. And today's episode to start, we're counting down our top three, like favorite female TV characters ever, which I'm super excited about. I mean, I think we can kind of guess each other's because we talk about it enough, (laughs) but I'm excited to talk a little bit more about it. And these aren't necessarily like in an order, but just like collectively the three that I always go back to and you always go back to. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I tried to order mine to pick like, you know, one to three, but I couldn't do it because I feel like they were in such the, the shows that they were from were so different. The performances are so different and I love them for different reasons. Like I think that there's common threads as to why I love these characters, but I just couldn't pick one or the other, you know, it's like, it's just couldn't compare. What about you? Did you have like a standout number one or are yours sort of like all on the same level? Um, I mean, I was actually thinking about this before, like, is there one that's definitely different? Cause okay. First off, I feel like mine, I don't want to say like teeny bopper, but like compared to yours, yours are such like serious, like characters these like iconic like best ever and then mine are like from CW shows (laughs) like whatever but so because of that I think that it's hard to like really rank them I think that for me which I think we have the same person for one of them she I would say stands out a little higher in terms of like the quality of the show and like the kind of character and like how she stands up against time and like all of that 
it's like a heftier character but my other two you know what for me i love them but they're they're kind of on the same yeah field yeah well i think okay so two things one i think it'll be interesting to see who we both picked because i mean one of the part of the premise of our show is that we're coming from two completely opposite spectrums of the millennial generation so i think it'll be show today (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i think it will we'll actually see that difference but then it'll be interesting to see where we overlap um but the other thing is you know when we first came up with this topic i was trying to think like oh you know who is really like the best female character and all of these different things. And then I just kept coming back to, they're supposed to be our favorites. So like we each have three and then we get two honorable mentions. And I think as you'll see, especially one of my honorable mentions, it's like a totally emotional favorite character. And I love the other ones too, but I think it's like, it's not so much about an analysis of who is the best female character of all time. Although I do believe that two of mine are, oh <laughs> um, <laughs> so I can go into that, but, um, it's really about like, you know, how they resonated with us. So I think that's, what's going to be interesting about talking about it is like, it's not just were they well-written, you know, how great was the show, blah, blah, blah. It's about like, what about them has us like constantly coming back to those shows to watch them again, you know? Right. Which is true because these are literally, like, if you know me, you know that these are the three shows that I always go back to no matter what. Like, I'll watch anything. I really will. And I'll, like, get super hooked on a new show. But if I'm looking for something just to watch or something, like, guilty pleasure, something to feel good. Like, if I don't feel good or, like, I'm anxious or, like, whatever's going on, one of these shows is the one that I always go to. Yeah. So I think that there's something there, you know, it's like, what about it keeps you coming back? So I feel like that's going to be interesting to talk about. Cause I think I can guess some of your people and some of the shows, but I don't know that you've ever actually told me like why they're your go-tos. So I think we should just dive in. Let's just go back and forth. Like you do one, I'll do one. Uh, so why don't you start? Who's your first one? Okay. Again, let me say that this is not in an order. It's just random, but the first person that I'm going to talk about is Haley James Scott from One Tree Hill. Um, I actually recently started rewatching it again, of course. Um, but I love her character, and I don't know what like initially drew me to her. First off, I want to say that like when I first started watching One Tree Hill, I know that it started like a little bit before my time. But when I came around to it, I actually finished it in time to watch the last season as it was airing. Oh, I love that. I know, me too. I did the same thing with Gossip Girl. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, which worked out perfectly. But I think that, I don't want to sound corny, but like coming into watching One Tree Hill, like it kind of, I found it at like a good time in my life, if that makes sense. Um, because obviously- How so? Well, for anyone, like, who has watched the show or knows what it's about, you know, it begins in this little North Carolina town, and it follows these characters through high school, and then later on, like, as they grow up and in their adult lives. Um, But I felt, like, I started watching it right around the time that, you know, I was thinking about, you know, I was starting high school, and that was coming up, and yes, like, it gave me some unreal expectations (laughs) for high school. Yeah, I think that, you know, overall, I just fell in love with this show because it's so 
dramatic but also like really touching like it just hooks you in and I feel like anyone who has watched it knows that but specifically um, with Haley I it okay first of all it was a tough call between her or Brooke but I feel like in terms of when people talk about One Tree Hill I feel like Brooke is always the one that gets the love and Haley is also a great character I think that what initially drew me to her is that when you meet her she's not popular necessarily she's not like you know well known with everyone she kind of does her own thing well she definitely does her own thing and she is like nicknamed like Tudor girl so she's kind of not necessarily the quiet one but like to herself she does her own thing she's smart and even as she you know starts her relationship with Nathan which I love and I actually realized a little sidebar I realized that all of my characters that I picked are also the three like TV relationships that like are my favorite. <laughs> so I, mean, I think I guess that, that makes sense. To do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, you get like get them. caught up in it. Like I feel like you get caught up in the romance, and okay. I don't know. It like gets it under your skin, especially like the high school ones. Like you were saying that you oh God, started yeah. watching it before high school. Like I feel like it's a time in your life. Like I think about that. One of my honorable mentions is from like a, a high school show that like I you know like you watch it again and you just I don't know. It's like I I feel so invested in some of those relationships. So I feel like it makes sense. Like you get caught up in this one character and their love story. I don't know. It oh stays God, with yes. you. Oh yeah. Like, for sure. How can you not, like, if you watch One Tree Hill from beginning to end, how can you not be caught up in Nathan and Haley? Like, they're the main romance. You can't not. But, um, yeah, I would just say that, like, throughout her progression, definitely there are times that, with any character, that you're like, come on, like, what are you doing? Like, <clears throat> like just go back to him, you know, what are you doing? That kind of thing. Yeah. But, Especially in seats, I'm thinking, I think it's season two or three, when she leaves Nathan after they're married and she goes on tour to pursue, pursue her dream. I think that looking back, initially I was like, oh my God, like, no, Nathan and Haley have to be together. She, what is she doing? But like looking back now, as I'm like a little bit older and have like some moral world experience, like, you know, yeah, I realized like how strong that makes her like how impressive of a decision that is and even later when she you know when she has her son and has her family and everything and she kind of takes a break and throughout her storyline it kind of she goes back and forth with recording and touring and doing her thing and I think that I don't know she always just like stayed true to herself and I love that and I think that that was like really important to see especially like I said before going into high school like it was impressive to see a smart girl who doesn't just you know say whatever like I'm just gonna marry this kid and that's it like I'm not never gonna pursue my dream again you know what I mean and she was always a good person I feel like I'm rambling but she was like always a good friend to I mean the whole group but obviously you know Brooke and Peyton are like her two best friends and Lucas, obviously, but I don't care for him. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I just, I love that show, and I find myself always going back to that. And I think, like, in a way, 
I related to her, but I also, like, wanted to be more like her. Yeah, I I get that. It's funny because as you were talking about it, I was going to say, like, we should talk about with these characters if any of what we like about them or what draws us to them is because we see ourselves in them or because we admire them, which, like, you pretty much just answered for her, so. (laughs) Way ahead of you. Yeah, you are. (laughs) Yeah, I think, which I also think is interesting because you said the same thing about Jane in Jane the Virgin, that, like, you related to her and you liked her, but she's also a good person. And so it's, like, you can't help but love her because of that. Because it's, like, you look up to her, but you also feel like you see yourself in her. I just want to be a good person. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. You are a good person. Well, thanks, but you're also my sister. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which is all the more reason I could tell you if you weren't case were you ever into one tree hill because i feel like you've mentioned it but you never were like a diehard and in a way it was like more your time than mine when it started at least yeah i you know what i think i watched a few episodes i have like a memory of living in that like half finished basement apartment that i had in washington dc do you remember that yeah i do Yeah, I remember somehow going on like a YouTube binge where I found these fan videos of Haley and Nathan. And it was like barely even, it was like maybe clips of them, but you know how people put together like some random song? Yeah, I've seen them. (laughs) Yeah, well, I went on a binge one night and I kind of became a little bit obsessed with them. And I watched a few episodes of One Tree Hill and I was like, I could really get into this. But I never, I don't know if like, I don't know, streaming wasn't as big at the time and Netflix was still not like- Hulu now. I know. Well, I'm like really deep into 90210 right now. I don't know if I can handle another. Like, <laughs> like I'm really, it's, it's another ridiculous. high school drama you can't deal with right now. Uh, no, I really, I'm so into this, but I, I want to watch Run Tree Hill because I know that you love it. And I remember watching a few episodes and I was like, yeah, I could get into this, but I think I just didn't have, I don't know if I didn't have cable or what, and yeah, at the time, Netflix was still like, you know, you the CDs or the DVDs of movies, yeah. it like, you know, a real thing yet. So I don't think I ever got into it, but I want to because I feel like I would be really into it because of what you've told me about it. And I'm curious to see. And when you said that, it, I didn't know that it was set in North Carolina, but yeah. it was also on the CW, which used to be the WB. So was it kind of a successor to Dawson's Creek? Because that was like my... I think I watched that that came on like right before I started high school and that was also set in North Carolina and it was like, you know, big primetime soap drama about high school kids. So like was One Tree Hill after that? I don't know if that was sort of supposed to be like the next generation. You know, I never thought about that. And Dawson's Creek was definitely before my time. I've never seen it, but like I have been exposed enough to know what you're talking about. Yeah. With James Van Dyke and Katie Holmes. Holmes. I know. (laughs) I didn't know that you've never seen it. Wow, that's wild to me. Well, it's wild to me that you haven't watched (laughs) Montreal. No, I just mean like, because I just always assume that you've seen all of these. But yeah, Dawson's Creek was, I think that started before you were born. Or like the year that you were born. Because I remember like, you know, um watching it like obsessively and having to clear the living room which is like you know trying to make everyone get out so I could watch my show on like Thursday night or whatever Tuesday night whatever it was because you know how it is like anyone listening if you have siblings and your parents like to like poke at you while you're trying to watch a show 
you understand the pain of being like, can you get out so I can watch this and just be like super into it when you still just share because it was on TV and they, they weren't reruns. Isn't that wild that that's like, that was within our lifetime that we had to do that? That is, oh my God, look how far we've come. I know. Like you can just lock yourself in your room and be like, I'm just going to binge watch this show forever. It was like, you actually had to be home at eight o'clock yes. and you had to have access to the TV. Oh my God. That is crazy. I did that recently. Maybe it was Jane, but I think it was another show too that I was watching weekly <laughs> and we don't even have, sorry, my voice is like getting all scratchy. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, we just have like prime, like we have the fire stick. So yeah. I don't have to wait another day. Like it's having to wait like weekly. It's a struggle now. <laughs> I know it's weird. And to think that you couldn't even watch it straight through, like at least we had, cause we don't have cable either. So I was in the same boat with Jane, but like at least, and even with the 90210 reboot, I yes. had to do, and I was like, what is going on? Like, why can't I keep watching this? It was just so strange. But not only could you, do you have to wait a day to watch it, but you also, uh, at least you can watch the whole thing through. Like, remember if you, there were commercials and if like you left the room during the commercials <laughs> and somebody changed it or the show came back on, you just missed it. Like, it's so I, weird. But... I remember screaming to whoever I was watching, like probably you or mommy. <laughs> and if you guys went to the bathroom or whatever, and I would have to be like, it's on. Like, and it was like a panic to get back in the room. Yeah. Did I miss anything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, you missed a big moment. Yeah. Too bad. You should have been glued to the couch. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. So that's my memory of Dawson's Creek. So it makes sense that you haven't seen it because that's how I watched the entire show. So uh, One Tree Hill must have started a few years after that. I think so. But it's I'm sure that it's in the same vein. Like same yeah. vibe. Yeah, it might even be more like I haven't rewatched Dawson's Creek, but I used to love it. But I know that I think people poked fun at it because it was so dramatic. And these kids thought that they were so deep and philosophical. And I wonder if rewatching it would be painful in a way because like cringe inducing kind of. Mm. Might be kind of fun, though, like kind of funny. Yeah, with a, with a glass of wine or two. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, do you ever feel that when you're rewatching One Tree Hill? Do you ever feel like, oh God, like this is great. I love this, but it's also kind of cringy or does it hold up for you? Um, I think like overall it holds up, but there, I feel like that's with any show like that has some distance, you know what I mean? Like, I think that there's definite, nothing comes to mind right now, but I'm sure that if I, and also, when I rewatch a show, like, I rewatch my favorite, like, episodes or seasons. I don't necessarily do the whole thing. Yeah. So I think if I watched from beginning to end straight through, yes, like, I would find something. I think that maybe not cringy necessarily, but the parts that I find kind of funny are, like, the clothes or the technology. Like, how they have flip phones still and, like, that yeah. kind of thing. I was still around, like... I know I wasn't, like, a teenager in the early 2000s or anything, but, like, I do remember those things. And so there is, like, I don't know, One Tree Hill is, like, kind of nostalgic for me in a way. Like, yeah, not only because of when I started watching it and, like, how oddly, how long ago that was now. I don't like to think about that. But, like, also, <laughs> like, how long ago it started and, like, the music 
reminds me of you honestly <laughs> like some of the really songs, like, why because wow. i think that like when you used to watch me like you would just have your music playing and some of it i'm like oh my god this is like casey <laughs> like when she was in high school oh god was it like the emo nonsense that i would listen to oh peyton definitely likes a good emo songs so, oh yeah. my god <laughs> That is cringe-inducing. Overall, they did have a good soundtrack. Like, I think, and I also think that that's, like, a topic of the show that people still talk about. Like, how it did have good music. And that was, like, part of their appeal. They yeah. They like, had bands and stuff. It. Yeah. I, I think it. I remember it being, like, a cool show. You know, like. You were cool I, like, if you watched One Tree Hill. <laughs> well, just, like, that it, like, you know, like, the people on it seemed cool. And it was sort of one of these like aspirational in some sense, you know, like, cause they're all very attractive yeah. and they seem like sort of deep. And I mean, I only saw a few oh, episodes, yeah. but like I could, I could get into this. No, totally. I mean, like Lucas is the tortured soul basketball player who needs to please everyone. And like, oh, there's family drama and Peyton is just like an emo mess like it's a whole thing but it's very dramatic but I love it so much <laughs> I'm gonna watch it once I get through 90210 I'm like just I can't stop and I'm in the first season so it's I don't know maybe we'll do an episode about it because I do feel like 90210 deserves it deserves some kind of an analysis I'm watching it too yeah so we should we yeah yeah once we once we both finish it we should discuss because I feel like you know, I mean, that is, I think, widely accepted as an iconic show, but it deserves probably an episode or something on this podcast. Definitely. Well, right, is there any yours? <laughs> oh, um, okay. Well, I'll just start. Um, yeah, I don't have mine really ranked. I just don't think that it's possible to do that. But I will start with Elaine Bennis from Seinfeld. Um, have you watched Seinfeld? Um. I'm going to be honest, I know that I should have, but I've only seen, like, episodes here and there. It is on my list, though. Eventually, yeah. I'll get to Seinfeld. No, it's fine, because I didn't really watch it when it was on. I actually remember Mommy watching it and, like, laughing yeah. at it, but I didn't watch it. I was, I think I was just a little bit too young when it started. Um, I think it's, when did it start? I want to say 1989, maybe, so I was definitely too young. But even as, like, when, once I would have been old enough to watch it just, you know, I just didn't the first go around. But in the last few years, I've watched the entire thing a couple of times. And I, I mean, I will say that I think this is true of all of my picks, that my enjoyment of these characters has a lot to do with the actresses themselves, because I think that their portrayal is just amazing. And I love Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She's like, possibly my favorite actress of all time. I just like whenever I watch an interview of her, I'm always so impressed. She's like very poised and she's funny and she's smart. And like, she's had this amazing career. So I really like her, but she was incredible as Elaine. And I love Elaine. Every time I watch an episode or like go on a Seinfeld binge, I love her more. And I think there are a few different reasons for that. So one of them is that I just think that, especially for a comedy, she's really nuanced and she's a very rich character. And she, like, she, you know, I, I'll just give you a little bit of context because you haven't seen the whole show. Um, but the backstory with her and Jerry is that they used to date and then they broke up, but now they're friends. And I think that 
a lesser show would have really played up that drama between them forever. And she would have sort of been stuck in this role of like Jerry's ex-girlfriend and will they, or won't they? And they never did that. Like, I feel like she was just this character who was completely a person unto herself. Like it's her, you know, and the rest of the main cast is men. And she just absolutely holds her own. She has these amazing storylines and she is like totally, I mean, I, I think probably by today's standards, she, we would call her like sexually empowered. Like she goes out, she dates lots of men. Um, you know, she alludes to having sex, um, cause it was the nineties. So like they had some creative so ways. Of, it was, yeah, I think it was a little bit taboo, but she was like right there in those storylines. And, you know, she was just such an interesting character because she really blends sort of, she's not like, oh, she's just a guy's guy, you know, where she's the tomboy or something. She's very feminine, she obviously likes clothes. She has like this beautiful wild hair. Um, and she, she, you know, when she's around other women, she has like these funny storylines where, you know, she's having a baby shower for her friend or something like that. And she's like, clearly wants her friend's approval. And, um, you know, when Jerry is dating a virgin, she like takes her out for coffee to like, you know, kind of give her the dirt on men. So she's like very much someone who like relates to other women. And when you're watching here, like I want to be Elaine's friend, like she's hilarious and she is, you know, she has that side of her, but at the same time, she really can like hang with men. Um, like she's not really intimidated by them. And, uh, you know, she sort of like talks about dating and sex and things in the same way that the guys do. So there's just something about her that's very interesting. And I think it's especially, I mean, for the not just like watching it now, I find her to be very impressive because she's a very like complete character and she's hilarious. And, um, you know, I mean, in the nineties, she was doing things like talking about, she, she had storylines where she's talking about birth control and whether or not one of her boyfriends was worthy enough. There was like this thing called the sponge. I don't know if it was real or if it was just like made up for the show, but it was a kind of birth control. And there's this whole storyline about whether or not her boyfriend is sponge worthy because she buys like the last box of them. So she doesn't have many to give out. And it's like, you know, can you imagine another character in the 90s who was like talking about those things? Who was like, not only am I using birth control, not only am I having sex, but like I'm going to evaluate whether or not a man is deserves me to like use up some of my precious reserve. Um, I love that. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Like, and it's hilarious. And she just like owns it so well. And there's a storyline where they all have a bet about who can hold out the longest uh, from uh, masturbating. And she is totally in on it. She's like, I want to I want in on this, too. And then she ends up losing the bet because she meets JFK Jr. in in a gym class and he expresses interest in her and when, when her friend is like oh jfk jr is you know he's interested in you like they they don't they obviously don't show her doing it but like yeah. they cut to her like they show she clearly That's has like, so lost the bet. yeah it's amazing it's like but you know it, so she has all of these different storylines but they're just they're very funny they're not heavy-handed like she I don't know. She's just so many things. And throughout the course of the show, when it starts out, she's got like, you even see it in how they do her hair in the beginning. She has like this, you know, huge, like fun poof of curls. And she dresses like very bright and girly. And she's sort of still like cheerful and optimistic. And then over time, it's like nine seasons and seasons in their New York city. And as like life makes her a little bit more cynical, they like start straightening her, her hair and she's like dressing in darker colors. And like, she just becomes like more cynical and even about men and, and things like that. But it's really funny. And I just think that 
she is like so relatable like you you want her to be her friend but you also kind of want to be her but not in the same way that you would want to be like the way that you described Haley or the way that you described Jane like she's not a good person but she's very likable and I think I haven't seen a lot of shows from that time granted I was really young so like I'm sure that there's a ton that I miss but I think in terms of the shows that were really popular she was a very unique character in that um, she wasn't this like perfect woman. She wasn't good or bad. She just was just like the guys were. And she was kind of selfish. And um, yeah, I don't know. She's just so much fun to watch. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus, like the way that she acts her is incredible and like really, really entertaining. But I think as a character, I just find her to be incredibly rich. And I love that she was written with as much thought and nuance and individuality as all of the men in the show. She was definitely not just sort of tacked on as like, oh yeah, once in a while we bring her in for laughs or for like, you know, for Jerry to have a love interest. It was like, they kind of in the early seasons bring back a little bit of a storyline about the two of them and then it's done and they never talk about it again. And the two of them are like, you know, they talk about their uh, not sexual conquest. It's not how they talk about it, but like they talk about who they're dating. They, you know, come to each other with things. So she really feels like an equal. And I just love that. Well, I'm interested. I feel like I would like that. Yeah. I think you would like her a lot. My only like real reference for JLD is I've seen V. So would you say that like the characters are similar or no? no they're definitely not similar like selena meyer is i so, love selena <laughs> i do too i really do and she and I, whenever i watch either of those shows i think like no one else could have played either of those characters and selena is like she's so much more selfish and ruthless and cutthroat than like elaine's not really like that okay. but in terms of i don't know you just yeah you just have to watch her especially you do see like shades of you know, maybe it wouldn't be shades of Selena. Selena would be shades of like a later Elaine, like toward the, in the last couple of seasons when she is a little bit more like cynical and a little more cutting in her remarks to other people, you could kind of see like, oh yeah, I can see why JLD could play Selena because of how she handles that. So they're really, I think that they are very different characters, but they're both iconic and they're just great like I love the character of Selena and I feel like if you liked her and you like JLD and that you would like her in Seinfeld and it's really interesting to see if you start watching from the beginning like her progression like Elaine's progression but also how she plays her from beginning to end okay I mean I've never heard like a bad thing about Seinfeld yeah truly anyone who ever talks about it or I hear it whatever it's always good so it's definitely like on my radar but I yeah feel even more compelled to watch it now because I think that I would really like Elaine I think you I mean I think you would like everyone and every time I watch it I understand more and more why it's such an important show in terms of like you know the culture because it was groundbreaking in a lot of ways not just with Elaine but I think I you know, I focus on her because I just think it was so interesting what they did with her as a, as a female character and that they have storylines for her where, you know, she is doing like a lot of these things like, you know, she goes to like her being obsessed with that. Well, she, there's one episode where she tries to pretend like she doesn't care about the Kennedys. Um, but it's, it's the one where she's throwing, she's throwing her friend. Yes. You (laughs) would 
love this. Like she acts like she's so nonchalant about the Kennedys, but in reality, she's like totally obsessed with them and like wants to get close to them. (laughs) Yeah. So you would love that, but there's like things like that. And, um, you know, so it, she's, it's, I, I really like that they didn't just sort of cast her as, oh, well, you know, she's just, she's kind of like a tomboy, you know, she doesn't have these feminine qualities. It's like, she has, uh, you know, rivalries with her girlfriends and jealousies. And she's like, you know, wants these women to like her. And uh, there's a storyline where George gets engaged and uh, he, George is like, a, kind of like more of a loser. And she's, to his face she's very excited for him but then privately she's furious and bitter because she feels like why should he get engaged when she's not getting married and all of these things and I was like what woman hasn't experienced that at one point or another and like it's just I don't know I think they they do a lot where they touch on all of these things that are really relatable to women but in a very funny way and they don't make her whole character about that like she's not pining away for a husband the whole time you know what I mean like it's not it's like she has a love life, an active love life, and she's often dating men, but it's her, but she is her own person. And I think that's the, that, 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 that she's her own person on the show. I don't know. I just love it. I think she's just such a fantastic character. I really think you'd like her a lot. I think so too. I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah. So, so that's, uh, so that's one of mine. I love Elaine and I love JLD and I will pretty much watch anything that she ever does. So yeah. So who's next for you? I bet I can guess. I feel like I can guess. I'm sure that you can guess because <laughs> I talk about her all the time. <laughs> all okay. right, let's see. So my next top pick, Blair Waldorf from Gossip I knew Girl. it. I knew it. <laughs> Blair is like truly one of my favorite ever like I for anyone who knows me again I am like honestly this one's for the ones who know (laughs) okay I'm obsessed with Gossip Girl like I love it it's not even I would never say that it's like one of the greatest shows of all time and it has great characters and great storylines it's definitely not but I love it. Like, it's, that's, like, I feel like that's the show that I go to the most. Because, like, <laughs> One Tree Hill can get a little heavy. Mm-hmm. The next show that I'm going to talk about can definitely get heavy. And it's, like, Gossip Girl is just, it's like an old friend. <laughs> you can just go back to it. Yeah. I I mean, for years, you've known this. That, like, Again, for anyone who knows me, like, I get a little anxious during bad weather or, like, severe storms. And to, to, and I sound like such a dork when I say this, I know. But, like, <laughs> to distract myself sometimes, we all do it. I'll literally, I'll put on Gossip Girl. Or if I'm, like, feeling down one day, I'll put on Gossip Girl. If I just feel like watching something that I know I'm going to enjoy, I'll put it on. And Blair, I think she's a very complicated character who doesn't get enough credit how so Um, because I mean for any Gossip Girl fan there's like two big questions are you team Blair or are you Serena are you team Chuck or are you team Nate like those are the big ones Mm -hmm. um so that being said clearly I'm team Blair clearly I'm team Chuck like Blair and Chuck forever but I think that Blair is definitely more complicated 
than people give her credit for. I mean, I see things all the time, even still, like it's been, I think, seven years or something like that since, <coughs> sorry, since uh, the finale. And, you know, people still talk about it. There's still fan accounts. There's still articles. There's talk of a revival that, like, how toxic Blair is and how toxic her relationships are. And her and Selena, Serena, we're just talking about Selena Meyer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Her and Serena's relationship is so toxic and just a really bad friendship. And her and Chuck are toxic, which, like, I'm not going to deny. They definitely have their moments but one of my favorite couples as well but Blair like she's a powerful woman in the city and you gotta respect her for that and she I can't even like say that she's a good person because like she's not always but I don't know she's a badass like I think that I've always liked that and I love the city and I would love to like one day I think it's one of those shows where you're like oh my god like can I be her <laughs> you know but yeah. like like you said about Elaine where it's not in a like necessarily good person way it's more of like a wow she's, she's badass like she really can hold her own she's glamorous and like I don't know you just want her life but yeah, I don't know, Blair, like, I really, sometimes if I'm feeling, like, oh, like, I'm not confident right now, or, like, whatever, I'm like, no, what would Blair Waldorf do? Yeah, that, well, I think that's a, sometimes that helps to think about it that way, you know, because it's, like, you don't always need to draw on the parts of you that are, like, super thoughtful and super nice. Sometimes you need to be, like, no, I need this other energy. Yeah, and, like, that's not to say that Blair is, like, this evil character and she deserves every bad thing that happens to her that's definitely not true I just think that you know if you peel the layers away from her she had like she grew up kind of like in an unstable home like her mom didn't really care about her for a long time like throughout the series it was kind of patchy but you know her father left them her best friend like in the first episode you find out that her best friend cheated on, like, her boyfriend, Nate, and her best friend, Serena, like, had sex and didn't tell her. And then her friend, Le- like, it's rough for Blair, like, throughout. And, you know, I think. Well, what were you I haven't say? seen, I, I haven't seen it as much of it as you have. I remember watching the first, like, two seasons and being really obsessed with it. And then I forget why I stopped watching it, but. Wasn't it also like very early on established that these kids grew up? I mean, it's in some sense, it's hard to feel sorry for them because they have so much money and they're so spoiled. But for the context of the show, you have to. And wasn't it sort of clear that like their parents didn't really care about them, that like they were basically let they were adults they were doing adult things at a time when they didn't really understand what they were doing. Like I remember seeing how like Serena would just wander around and she's just like having sex with Nate. Was it in a train station or a classroom or a bar? A bar. Okay. And they were like 16. And then you have, you know, Blair and Chuck were both acting like, you know, they were acting like they were 30, 40 years old when they were teenagers. And so it just seemed like they were in this world where their parents just sort of did whatever they wanted and their kids were, 
their kids just seem like another trophy for them to haul out and be like, oh, my, my child goes here and they're going to here for school. Um, so there's like, it seemed like there was like a lot of psychological issues happening in Blair's home as well, where she had to be the like glamorous New York city woman before she was even, you know, before she was even out of high school. Definitely. I actually, I mean, throughout the series, like the parents and the upbringing and like that whole mentality, how they all, did grow up way sooner than they should have that is carried out throughout the show but I also think that that doesn't get enough credit in like being an influence on the characters because Chuck's father I mean everybody who watches it knows that whole story and how (laughs) terrible Bart was to him he really he resented him because his mother you know died in childbirth and he always was just disgustingly hard on him for no even when he did something good he was like hard on him and tore him down and that's part of what makes Chuck the person that he is same with Blair she has all these issues and these self-image issues you know her mother is this big fashion designer and there's even you know an episode where Blair is supposed to model for her mother's line and you know it just so happens that Serena comes and she takes over and whatever and her mom picks Serena instead of Blair and that kind of is how it is for a while like she always picks something instead of Blair instead of her Mm -hmm. own daughter and I think the parent well the two big parents of the show are Rufus and Lily who are uh, Serena's mom and Dan's dad Um, and you definitely see like the differences not only in like their parenting styles, but also like in the way it affected their children because, hmm. you know, Dan and uh, Jenny are, you know, obviously portrayed, they live in Brooklyn. They live like on the wrong side of the tracks. They'll never, you know, fit in with these people. Hint, hint, they do. But you just like, hint, hint, they're insufferable. <laughs> Truly. Like the Humphreys are just way too much. Yeah. But, with Serena and her mom, this is, like, what I'm getting at, that, like, Lily, you see throughout their relationship and the many fights that they have and, like, the disagreements and all that is because for so long you find out that Lily just time and time again chose husband, number, whatever, over her kids. And, you know, even in the first couple episodes, you find out that her son tried to kill himself and Serena went away, like, to escape it, and it was... It's, like, a whole thing, always. Um, So, yeah. I mean, there is a lot going on to the show in that regard. Mm -hmm. And that definitely, like, influences the character. So, you do have to, like, keep in mind when you're watching it. Yes, it's, like, borderline trash TV. But also not. (laughs) Like, it's good. There are good parts to it. Yeah. Obviously, because I keep going back to it. But, yeah, I think that with Blair... Like I said, she gets a bad rep a lot because she plays, like, to an extent, like, the spoiled brat. And, you know, she's manipulative and she's, like, always out. She always has a vendetta against somebody. She ruins people's lives, this and that. But, you know, you have to remember that, like, it all comes from somewhere. And you definitely see several times that she's not a bad person and she she does have a heart. She does do good things. And it's just, you know, a a bad background. But she always triumphs. Blair really comes out on top. So. 
Well, I think it's interesting, you know, what you said about how like, you know, sometimes when you need a boost of confidence, you think what would Blair Waldorf do? And I think it's interesting to think about some of the women characters who we like, not just in TV, but in movies and books as well, who you're who you root for, even though they're terrible people. And, you know, we've talked about maybe doing an episode about our favorite literary heroines or literary female characters. Um, and I wouldn't say heroines because some of them are definitely not heroic, uh, at least some of my favorites. Um, and like, you know, I love Cersei Lannister and people always think that that's insane. And it's like, I don't think that she is a good person. I don't think she's a role model, but I think she's an amazing character, especially when you're sympathetic to the world that she lived in and what she was doing to survive and for her family. It doesn't mean that it's right, but I think it's interesting especially when you look at women in different circumstances and what they did to, or what they thought they had to do in order to succeed or to protect their family or to protect their interests. So I don't know if any of that is relevant with Blair, but I think it's interesting to think about here's where she came from and here's what she learned that she had to do in order to get what she wanted in order to, you know, feel loved in order to get attention. And sometimes that brings out qualities that are admirable, but like, you know, it's like, I, you know, you don't want to be this person, but there are aspects of her that are, you know, kind of inspiring, kind of aspirational in the sense of like her being powerful and driven. Yeah. I mean, I definitely would not put Blair on the same level as Cersei. No, of course not. Of course not. I just mean, yeah. like, I think when you look at the context, it's not just about like, what, what are their actions? It's like, where are they coming from? I mean, you know, if they right. were real people, then it would be like, they're detestable, but yeah, for like characters, you have to think about that. Exactly. I just think that people should keep an open mind for Blair because, like I said, there's more going on there. I also, I love her and Chuck together. Their whole will they, won't they, like what's going on. And I know that there's a huge argument that they're super toxic and just a terrible relationship to idealize. And like, I get it. (laughs) Like they do do some really terrible things to each other but like one it's a tv show and you know everyone likes a good relationship to watch you know like you just get so invested I don't know why but like since I started watching it like years ago I have like always been invested in Chuck and Blair and again like if we did a male character maybe Chuck would be one of mine because (laughs) he too has a lot going on and he's not as bad a person as he seems on the surface same with Blair I mean, that's why they put them together yeah I mean probably <laughs> and uh Ed Westwick is not bad to look at <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no I love I love Blair I like she's not like a deep a super deep character on the super deep and dramatic show but I don't know. I just, I've always been very drawn to that character. I think we, like I said before, like, because in some way you want to be her. Like, you want to be yeah. her. So. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Cool. Well, I knew you were going to pick Blair, for sure. Queen she's Yeah. Well, okay, we should probably keep going. I feel like we could talk about all these shows, like, forever, but we should probably continue we're almost at an hour so so let's get going (laughs) let's get moving um okay so my next one is Carmela Soprano I'm sure you could have guessed that yeah (laughs) 
Um, so The Sopranos is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. I just, it's, I think it's, a sh- I mean, obviously it's not like controversial to say that it's an amazing show. It is like widely regarded as that. So it's not like an original opinion. Um, but every time I watch it, I love it more for so many different reasons, but Carmela is definitely one of them. I just think that she truly is. She, in my opinion, she might be the best female character ever on television because I think a she it is a bold statement, but you can tell it's because I love her. So I'm like very biased, but I think she's just so interesting. Um, she is not aspirational at all. Like I don't, you know, like watching her, I never think, oh, I would like to be like Carmela. Um, I think she's a deeply unhappy woman and she's very conflicted, but I think that's what makes her so interesting is that throughout the entire series, you see her kind of grappling with, uh, you know, she's very Catholic. So she has this sense of morality and what's right and wrong. And she's very concerned with sin and with being proper, but she is knowingly married to a mob boss. And she, you know, she even kind of admits, and it's definitely referenced a few times throughout the series that like, she knew what she was getting into when she married him. And you know, so to pretend like she has no idea that her husband kills people, that he orders people to be killed, you know, that he traffics in like, you know, drugs and, and, you know, he's, he's a thief and all of these things. Like she knows that and that's where her huge house comes from. And so you kind of see, especially in the beginning when she is constantly inviting the priest over father and Tintola, and then they like almost have a flirtation. Um, So she's just always going back and forth. And I think trying to reconcile within herself, the fact that not only is she married to a man who is just a terrible person and she's had kids with him and she continues to keep those children in this house and that everything that they have is paid for with this blood money really. Um, So she has to reconcile that. And also with the fact that, you know, he sleeps around on her all the time. And that's something that she gets angry about and she's offended by, which, you know, who wouldn't be but it she kind of knows that it comes with the territory as well so she continues to stay in this marriage and it's interesting when they you know at at one point she tells him that she wants a divorce because she can't take it anymore things are so hostile between them and she feels like he's embarrassed her with one of his obviously she calls him one of his whores uh for the last time although she wasn't a literal whore uh the woman that he slept with um but you know she really, you know, she's like, I've had enough. And she kicks him out. She, she tries to kick him out, but he like won't leave the house and he really bullies her and he makes it all but impossible for her to get a divorce. It's like, if she really wanted one, she would be left with nothing. Like she'd have her dignity and she could, you know, repent and actually, you know, go back to mass and feel like she had a clean conscience, uh, but she doesn't because it's just easier to stay married to him. So I think she just constantly has this like battle going on. And it's interesting to see her and Tony together because I feel like they are a perfect match for each other because they have a lot of the same hypocrisies. And sometimes they're willing to live with that depending on, you know, when it suits them. And sometimes they're like, they are best suited to call each other out on their bullshit. So I think that like watching Edie Falco and uh, James Gandolfini together is amazing because I think that they just seem to have really good chemistry. But I think Carm is just, she's also very funny and she's very Jersey. Like she just really embodies that like new money, like gaudy, rich North Jersey sort of thing for anyone who's listening and doesn't know we are from New Jersey. So (laughs) that's why. (laughs) 
so we can say these things. Yeah, so so we can confirm that it's a very authentic performance. Um, so I think that they really embody that where, you know, you and you can tell too that they think that they're more than they are. They It's like they think that they're important because they have money. They think that they have class because they have money. And yet that's like anyone who's looking at them from the outside knows what they are and is not impressed by them. So I think, you know, just watching that and watching how she relates to Tony and, you know, she kind of tries to find love outside of her marriage. You know, she meets the guy who's like doing the wallpaper in their bathroom, but he ends up like never coming back when he finds out who her husband is and she's heartbroken. And then she falls in love with Furio and, you know, she can never be with him because he works for Tony. Oh, sorry. I thought you were, I sent you the song, the the calm song. And you were like, Oh, this is her and Furio. No, I didn't. I said, isn't this one from the beginning? I think I was oh. a different song. Oh, okay. Sorry. It's a compelling storyline. You'll you'll like it. But basically, her whole life is that she chose to be with a mobster. She chose to be the boss's wife and to have the money and the whatever status that provides within the family. But because of that, she's traded the opportunity to have real love in her life, to have freedom, to be fulfilled in any meaningful way. Like she wants to start a real estate career and Tony kind of helps her, but then he also like, he he doesn't really want her to do it. And so she's sort of trapped, but it's a prison of her own making and she won't leave because she's too comfortable. So that's why I don't think she's aspirational in any way, but I think she's just an incredibly rich character and she's played really well. And I find her to just be really, really fascinating to watch. Um, And I will watch like any scene that she's in any day of the week, especially when she goes back and forth between like, you know, she's critical of her husband because what he does, but then she doesn't have a problem using like putting that on when she needs it, like trying to get her daughter into college. Like she's willing to like use the threat of being Carmela Soprano. So I don't know. I I just think that she's, there are so many great characters on that show, but she is like the absolute standout. And I, I really love her. I know you talk about her all the time. Do I? (laughs) I feel like you always throw in like a carm, carm nod, which I love. Like I have yet to finish The Sopranos. I've started it twice and it's not for lack of interest at all. Like I love it. And I'm very into like, mob movies and like mob tv and I think like I'm super interested in it and the whole jersey thing like love that (laughs) but I I haven't been able to finish it because I haven't like been able to give it the time it deserves like I don't want it to be one of those shows I watch like one or two episodes and then I'm like oh I forget what happened but let me just continue you know what I mean like I want to give it the time and the attention it deserves yeah, you kind of have to. And it's it's heavy. Like, it's not... It is. And, and the more that you watch it, the heavier it gets. Like, I feel like I have watched most of it. I watched the whole thing through, and then I've watched a few seasons several times. And, like, upon rewatch, the more that you see, like, the, the different... The subtleties of the relationships between people, it's, like, it really gets in there like it's not an easy show to walk away from I mean it's it's amazing but yeah you really need the time and you can't be switching back and forth like oh I'm gonna watch like an episode of Sopranos then I'll go back to something else it's like no this is a commitment right but that being said I have seen enough of it to like get what you're saying and what you're trying to get at yeah so what do you think of harm 
I love her. I think that she is, no, you wouldn't look up to her necessarily, but I think that she is, like, an incredibly strong woman for being Mm -hmm. able to, yes, she stays with him despite everything. And, you know, that maybe to some people would be, like, a weak move, but I think that it's pretty, pretty strong. Like, she is not, here's the thing, she doesn't roll over to Tony. Like, she... I feel like you see sometimes, like, in mob movies and, you know, just, like, in stories or, like, anything, really, like, where there's that, like, macho male character. I feel like sometimes you see, like, the woman just kind of does whatever and it's just like, yeah, okay, sweetie. Carmela isn't that woman. And I love that. Like, when she goes back to Tony with, like, little quips, I love it. And it, it, like, on a on a different level it's also a very jersey thing (laughs) yeah it's it's such a every time I watch it my like my heart actually hurts because it's so (laughs) it's so jersey everything they they just captured everything about it was like I was like this is so spot on yeah I love Carp she's not my favorite like character on the show but I definitely love her like there's nothing that I (laughs) particularly dislike about her Yeah. Well, I think it's a good point that you made that she is a strong woman because um, despite the choices that she made, like she does stand up to Tony and, you know, you do see her kind of throwing things in his face and she knows how to hurt him too, which is Mm -hmm, one of the sources of conflict, but she's not afraid to use that and to say, like, I'm not just going to roll over while you are sleeping around with other women. Like, I'm going to call you on that and I'm going to, you know, and she's pretty ferocious when it comes to her kids. Like, as much as they have conflicts in their house, like, there's the scene where Janice, um, you know, she's criticizing their parenting of Meadow and then Carm just lays into her, even though she's a guest in their house. It's like, you know, there are lines that you don't cross with her husband and with her kids. And it's like she, which is kind of how everyone is, but like, you know, she does have a sense of like, this is my family and I'm going to protect them even when I can't stand them. And they're like treating me horribly. And I also think that she probably, I don't relate to her in, in the sense of her as a mother, because I don't have kids yet. And I hope not to have the relationship that she has with her kids. But like, I think, you know, as they get older and she, they've given them everything, their kids are really spoiled. And I think, you know, you do see Carm struggling with the fact that, her kids don't really need her anymore. They don't respect her. And now she's having to deal with the fact that she knows her husband is philandering and she knows that her kids are just sort of like blowing her off. So she's at a stage in her life where she actually really does need to figure out who she is without them. And so I think that she's very sympathetic in those scenes where she's given everything to her family and he obviously didn't. And there's, um, I don't know if you got to it yet, but there's the episode white caps has like, it's my favorite episode of Sopranos and it has the most incredible scene between the two of them where they're basically calling each other out on their bullshit, like in the most intense way. It's it's just amazing. But, you know, she kind of says to Tony, cause he's being critical of her for the fact that like, all she does is complain and ask him for things. And, you know, why can't she be like, why can't she have more thoughts? Like why, you know, she complains, she's had everything given to her and yet she still bitches. And she says like, you're the one who didn't want me to work. Um, so you kind of see like, she's really done everything that he wanted and like been, you know, she hosts all of the parties for him. She does everything right. And then, but she throws it back at him. So I think she is a strong woman. I just think that like, she's not strong enough to like or she it's like she's just caught and she just keeps going back to what's familiar and what is you know what's comfortable like she you know she has all kinds of money and and privilege and like that's better for her than to start over 
you know, because her faith tells her to. So I think, yeah, I just think that she has a lot going on and she's not just your typical like mob wife, like you said, who's just going to look the other way and be like, as long as you're keeping me in my nice house, as long as I don't see the whores, then do whatever you want, you know? Yeah. Good old Carm. Good old Carm. So yeah, she's, she's great. So, okay. Who's your number three? Okay. My number three, which I'm pretty positive we have the same number three (laughs) so maybe if I'm right we can like make it a combined discussion okay okay number three is Buffy Summers from Buffy the Vampire Slayer that was my number three too okay (laughs) do you want me to start yeah go for it okay well I love Buffy and I feel like sometimes she's not that it's dated but like talking to people my age they don't always get what I'm what I'm they're not always picking up what I'm putting down I was just gonna say that (laughs) (laughs) but um I really I honestly I have to thank you for getting me into Buffy because initially I remember a couple years ago well more than a couple now when I was in high school and I was staying with you for some spring break or whatever, I remember you, even before I came, you were like, oh, I'm rewatching Buffy. I'm rewatching Buffy. Buffy's so good. Buffy this, Buffy that. And I just remember being like, oh my God, like, enough. <laughs> like, I did not care about it at all. And even, do you remember this when you were like, let's just watch an episode. Like, we'll watch an episode or two and then you can decide. And we did. And I ended up finishing like the first two seasons while I was there. Yeah, you became upset. I remember you didn't want to. And I was like, just try it. And we watched one episode and I was like, okay, do you want to turn it off? Or do you want to keep going? You were like, no, let's keep going. I was like, yep, that's what happens. It is so, so good. And Buffy is 100% one of the best TV characters ever. And it's one of the best shows ever. Yes, I would agree. When I started watching it, I was in high school. And like Buffy is just such a badass and such like a good person to look up to and I feel like that's been kind of like a theme with all of ours whether we look up to them or not but yeah I think that Buffy is in some ways realistic and obviously in many ways not but like given the circumstances and you know I know that the show like Joss Whedon like wrote it as sort of like a metaphor for you know, high school and growing up and facing all these monsters and all that, which, like, I love. And Buffy is just, like, she's timeless. Like, she really is because she goes through so much, but she's such a, like, strong, powerful, you know, girl and then woman. And she just always, like, she's such a selfless character, which is just devastating. Like, I'm sure that you can think of several episodes that I'm thinking of which yeah. is just so incredibly selfless that, like, as a viewer, it literally rips your heart out to watch. Like, I have, I, I'm not going to lie, like, I cry at a lot of shows. Like, I'm an easy crier, but, like, I ball at Buffy. Like, I had to, when I was watching it, I had to take breaks because I was oh, like, yeah. okay, that was, like, so emotional and so devastating as a viewer. I've been so invested in this that, like, I need to take some time from this show before it continue. 
Yeah. I mean, it's so intense. And I think that, yeah, she is by far of all of the characters that I love. She is like, she's a true hero. I think that's what it is. She really is heroic and, and you love her and admire her. And it's a hundred percent warranted because she's just, she always does the right thing. And it's not a matter of, oh, I just, I'll do the right thing. And I have no feelings about it. Like you, that is, that's why it's heartbreaking because you see her heartbreaking, but she always makes the choice, the right choice for everyone else. Like, I mean, I, I think I mean, if you just think about how many season finales, like, you know, the first one when she's still so young and she goes and faces the master knowing that she's probably going to die, but she did it anyway, because that was her job. And because she wanted to save people. And then, you know, she has to kill angel, which is like just (laughs) so heartbreaking, but it's like, but she kills the love of her life. I mean, this is a teenager. Um, Like if you just think about being a teenager. Well, yeah, and she kills for season two, but the first season she's 16. But imagine being 17 and having to kill the person you love most in the world. No, it's (laughs) totally heartbreak. I have like chills thinking about it because, but she did it because she had to. And she went through so much with him too, to like see him change to Angelus. Like it was just her heartbreaks constantly. And then obviously my favorite episode of all time, but it like, I talk about an ugly cry. Like I can't even talk about, I already know what you're talking about. the gift I cannot even talk about that episode without crying like it is I mean it's incredible I almost I often wish that they hadn't done two more seasons because I think it was the perfect ending to a show because that's where everything was headed towards like it was always her sacrificing it was like here she is she made the ultimate sacrifice of herself to save the world and but like she but she did it when she realizes what has to be done and she gives that amazing speech, which I can't even get into. I literally have chills talking about it. It's so amazing. Me too. But, I love it. That whole, even the scene after that, when they like, for those, I mean, it's been like 20 years, I think we're past spoiling, but for anyone yeah. who knows, the gift is the episode where, you know, throughout the season, there's this, the key, the key, whatever. It turns out that it's her sister, her younger sister which I think might be biased but I think that's also part of the reason why you get so emotional yeah it definitely definitely is (laughs) but in the end in the season finale Buffy sacrifices herself as the world is literally opening and you know hell and every terrible thing literally about to break loose is literally about to break loose literally about to take over the world everyone is going to die or be absorbed whatever you get the gist of it she sacrifices herself instead of her sister dying and i'm why am i getting emotional (laughs) there's because it is emotional (laughs) there's this whole speech that she gives which is amazing and then she jumps and then the next scene after that you see all of her friends and everyone sitting there crying. And like uh, even Spike. Like literally like, crying. Spike cries. <laughs> I'm picturing it. I'm like literally crying right now. Oh my god. Because that's. A, but I think that that is also like a testimony. Not only to SMG. Who is the number one queen ever. But also I to the show. SMG. And to Joss. Like for 20 years after the fact. Yes, there's some parts of the show that are super corny and, like, super cheesy and, like, that would never happen anymore. But this episode and so many others, not just this one, 20 years later, we're talking about it and you start crying. 
like that emotional impact of the show is incredible yeah I agree it is a testament to the show and I think people often write it off like I did I think when I was younger I was like I don't even know what this is I didn't watch it until I was like in my late 20s um and a bunch of friends of mine were watching it and we did like a group voice chat and I was like what have I been missing out on and that's why I wanted you to watch it because I wished so much that I had watched it when I was in when I was in high school because she goes through so much and I think one of the things that is great about Buffy is that you know when she comes to Sunnydale she is very pretty people are very interested in her she's the new girl she used to be a cheerleader like yes okay she's the slayer but she could have just chosen to be one of the popular kids but she didn't she yeah she could have just been like okay cool well I'll have like a social life and I'll just do this like try to keep the slaying to myself but she was a good person like she became friends with Willow and Xander who were kind of the outcasts and she always stood up for them and she you don't expect someone who looks like her and talks like her to be the good person and I think that's also what makes her kind of relatable is that as she goes on it's not like she wasn't this like dorky girl who it's like oh she has a superpower it's like yeah she's also beautiful and she is very open about wanting a a typical life like she wants to fall in love and then she does and of course that's like hugely tragic but even when she gets into relationships with human beings you know it ends up it ends tragically for her but like she keeps wanting it and she keeps going through things and I think that you know, because she keeps like, and she, but she always chooses the right thing. And it's like, you know, how hard it is. She could have been so many other things than what she was. She could have been a bitch. She could have been a snob. She could have been cold to other people. She could have been like faith really. And just been like, I don't care. I have this power. I'm going to kill people. I, you know, I have all of these internal wounds and I'm just going to take it out on everyone else. And she didn't do that. And even with faith, she ended up, you know, I, I think she like tried to see the best in her and she, she did because Buffy was a good person and she had flaws and she was, you know, she was sometimes snobbish and she was sometimes she had her moments, but like, that's also part of the appeal because yes, she's yeah. a hero, but she's not just like, like I'm the head bitch in charge here. And I think that like another thing, as you were talking, this like came to mind how you said that she easily could have, been in the popular crowd or she could have just done whatever and did her thing easily and how she did befriend Willow and Xander and how they are the outcasts and everything and what when you said that she protects them all the time like she protects everyone and she does it like thanklessly except for the prom episode which another tearjerker I know when you know all of her good deeds and she and here's the thing she does get made fun of like people think she's weird like Cordelia she gives her shit for the longest time even when they're friends she gives her shit like and yet she always saved Cordelia like she never even sent her and said oh I mean maybe like who knows if she alluded to I don't know I shouldn't say who knows but like I I don't want to say for sure that she didn't like allude to the fact that she had saved Cordelia, but like she never threatened her and said, I'm not going to do this. Like she always did it, even though Cordelia was a huge bitch to her in the beginning. Exactly. Even, even the assholes she helped out and she literally saved their lives because that's who she was. And yes, she was, you know, the vampire slayer and the protector and all that, but like, she didn't have to, Faith didn't save everyone. All the other slayers didn't, necessarily save everyone you know what I mean like she did it because of the kind of person that Buffy was 
Yeah, exactly. And I think like, that's what really makes her stand out as such an icon because she was well-rounded, but like you, you liked her, you were drawn to her, but she, yeah, it's like, she wasn't perfect. She definitely had flaws. She would piss you off sometimes, but it was like, it was her, her character, you know, just like as a person was good, was genuinely good. And I think that's why she still resonates so much. I think when people watch it, it's like, you know, we've talked before, um, about, you know, in Jane that like the part of the reason that we liked Jane was because it was something sort of light in a world that is increasingly going towards like, Oh, what's dark, what's twisted. I think Buffy is similar, but in in an even more grounded way, despite it being like, you know, a sci-fi fantasy show. Um, I mean, Buffy I think, is definitely heavier than Jane. But I just mean, like, when you look at this character, it's like she always, you know, you. it doesn't matter when you're watching the show, you can always look up to her and be like, oh, yeah, she, you know, she's good. I can admire her. I, I Like, I want to be like her. I feel, like, hopeful when I see her at her best. Definitely. You know, I was just thinking, speaking of Jane, that a lot of the things that we were saying about Buffy, about how she's real, how she's a good person, are things that we said about Jane. And also, I'll just point out that neither of us included Jane in our in our top picks, which <laughs> I, feel like I think we is... already talked about Jane. That's why I didn't. Well, I, I, you know, when I was reflecting on it, I was like, I love Jane and I stand by all the things that I said, but I don't think that she's like one of the best characters of all time. And I think, you know, she has there are certain things that are not similar about Buffy, but like the qualities that we admire about her as a character are similar to the ones we admire about Buffy, but it's like, she doesn't even hold a candle, you know, like the show, I don't think stands up next to Buffy at all. It's a, it's a really good show, but when you're talking about these, you know, things that have stood the test of time, like I'll watch Jane 10 years from now and be like, Oh yeah, I love this show, but it's not going to be like Buffy. It's not going to be like Seinfeld. It's not going to be like the Sopranos. Where you're like, yeah, this has weight forever. Yeah. Like there, I don't want to say it has no cultural impact, but it, in a way it doesn't. It has like, a, I think it has a cultural impact for the moment, for like our yes. cultural moment, but it's not going to hold up. You know, you don't need to be watching this years and years from now. Exactly. If you're a fan, you will. But if not, it's not going to be one of those shows where someone's like, oh, how have you not seen Jane the Virgin? <laughs> yeah, it's not like people are going to be making references to it forever that you yeah. don't understand until you actually watch it. Yeah. Well, do you have any honorable mentions? Um, I'm going to be honest. I, I do. But okay. picking favorites for me is so hard. So I just want to emphasize that there are so many characters out there that I absolutely love. And, like, sometimes I filter through shows, so some are fresher than others. But honorable mentions, uh, piggybacking off of Buffy, I have to say that Willow gets an honorable mention. Okay. I don't like her more than Buffy, necessarily, but I think that Willow is a good person, and I think that she's an interesting character throughout the show. And initially, apparently I have a thing where, like, if I feel I relate to the character, I like them because like I said before, how Haley was, you know, studious and she was nice, but she was kind of outgoing. Willow wasn't like Willow was kind of the shy, quiet girl and she was smart and, you know, she was nice and kind of lean more towards that. That's kind of my personality. But 
Willow really like comes into her own throughout the series. And even when she is Dark Willow, she's a badass. Like, yes, yeah, she's evil, but it's for a reason. And like, I don't know. I just, I love Willow. I have a soft spot in my heart for her. In many ways, Buffy and Willow like go together. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely. best friends. Like, of course they do. Yeah. And they both go through a lot. And I think with Willow, I was really happy that it didn't. I really, I love her too. And I loved her throughout the series, even when she was frustrating, but I really liked what they did with her because I think it would have been easy to just make her and Xander the will they won't they forever. And it would have been so annoying. That was annoying. (laughs) Yeah. It would have been intolerable, especially because he is intolerable. Um, But she deserved better than him. And in the beginning, it was understandable because it was like, okay, who hasn't, you know, been in this situation when you're like the shy, quiet girl, you of course, like have a crush on a guy and he doesn't feel the same way about you. Like it's, you know, it was like, okay, this is fine. But then as time went on and she was with Oz, I was like, okay, thank God, because he's obviously so much better. But you know, then the stupid Xander stuff happened uh, because, of course, Xander only wants what he can't have because it's just an awful, annoying character. Um, but then when she meets Tara, I feel like she really starts to come into her own. You know, she's discovered this new side of her sexuality and she is becoming a witch. And I think she becomes so much more interesting. And there's this whole side of Willow that we have never really gotten to explore before. So I think that she ends up being a really great character too, not just as a sidekick to Buffy or as Xander's best friend, but as someone who has this like beautiful, like love story. And then it ends tragically and she has to find her way back from that, from the grief. And yeah. So I think she's great. Yeah. I mean, she has, yeah, definitely. That is like a big part of her, but she's not, I wouldn't say that she was ever like totally a sidekick to Buffy. I mean, she's always there, but like, she definitely, you know, helps in her own way. And especially when she like becomes a witch and starts practicing magic. Like she, Buffy's not a witch. Like Buffy doesn't do spells and stuff, you know? So she really, yeah. she's, Willow is far more important than Xander who contributes nothing throughout the show. <laughs> so much hate for Xander. He's just he's so entitled. The worst. He is the worst. He's just, I just feel like he's so entitled to Buffy's affections and that drives me crazy. It's like, he's just the ultimate classic nice guy. He's the reason she killed Angel. I just don't think he ever really got his comeuppance for that. And that has always bothered me about the show because I thought, how could you, why does he get to be friends with her? Like, why does he get to continue to be part of her life when he betrayed her? I mean, that's not something that you do as a friend. And I don't care if he was in love with her or not. It was spiteful and immature and selfish and totally unforgivable. And also he's just a dick to like, you know, to Willow, to everybody. He is. So. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. Do you have yours? Yes, I have two honorable mentions. So my first is Dee Reynolds from Always Sunny. Love, love, love Dee. I think I gave her an honorable mention because I wouldn't call her a favorite character of all time. Um, but when I was thinking about Elaine, I was it makes me think of Dee because I think, you know, Always Sunny is obviously an incredibly different show from Seinfeld. But, you know, the fact that, again, you have this 
like core cast and most of them are men. And then you have D and instead of being kind of like somebody's love interest or, you know, just sort of, I don't know. I, she's, she's a little bit nicer of a person in the first few seasons. And then like, I think by season three, they really just like let her go all out with being like just as terrible as the guys are sometimes in different ways. Um, and I was reading an interview with Kate that Caitlin Olson did with some magazine. And she was saying that, you know, she is actually smarter than the guys, but she's so insecure and like needs their, uh, approval so badly that whenever she has an opportunity to really get one over on them, like she just like gets tripped up on her on even like the, the the barest hint that they might like her. So I think it makes for a really good comedy, but I just think she's hilarious and how like she kind of owns being a terrible person, but it's different from like a lot of millennial comedy now. I feel like is everyone kind of being like, oh yeah, I'm a terrible person, whatever. But like Always Sunny isn't like that. It's like something totally different. So I feel like you don't really see female characters like her in a lot of shows. And I also think that Kaylin Olsen portrays her really well, but I just think she's hilarious. I love Dee. I think she that is. she's just fan. She's just so much fun to watch. I love Always Sunny, so I totally back this honorable mention. I don't know that any show has ever made me laugh as hard as Always Sunny. Yeah. Yeah, like I literally will be hysterical. And like even when I rewatch it, there's things it's that still funny. It's still funny. And like the things that I watch at, upon rewatch are usually the more like subtle interactions between them, just like sort of like the side comments or expressions yeah. that they make that I didn't see the first time. And like, I will be hysterical, like crying, laughing at it. Yes. Frank is the king of that. Frank is my favorite character on the show. And if you watch like his expressions and like his little, like just spend like two episodes just watching Frank like it makes it so much better yeah Frank is I I'm so happy that they brought him onto the cast because I feel like he really adds a whole other layer and brings in a certain volatility that that works for them I think oh, yeah. D and Mac are my favorite characters like I always go back and Aww. forth but I think they're tied I know even though they're <laughs> not because I love that they're married in real life but um I just think that he is such a buffoon and like so ridiculous, but he makes me laugh so hard. And if you watch Rob McElhaney, it's half the time it looks like he's about to start laughing, but like yeah. it's just so funny. And she, I just, it's amazing. And I also love that I haven't actually seen most of like, I think the last couple seasons, but rewatching some of the earlier ones, I love how much animosity there is between, between D and Mac. Like there's just like no respect for each other whatsoever. And I just think it's hilarious. So. Yeah, yeah, I have her. She's she's up there, but she's not one of the top three. No. What a great show. Like, really? <laughs> it is a great show. It's like, that is, that's one of my all-time favorites. It just gets better and better. Give Always Sunny. It's Emmy already. I know. That's one of my favorite episodes is the gang tries desperately to win an award. <laughs> Did you see their, like, recent interaction on Instagram about it? Like, do you follow Rob? Uh, I do. I haven't been on Instagram in the last like week, though. I'll have to look at look it so up. They had like a go around about it still, and I think that's so funny. But even it. in I real can't... life, they're like, "Where is it?" I can't believe that they've never won an Emmy. That's just preposterous to me. Mm-hmm. Well, do you have any other honorable mentions? Um. Well, I do at the moment, but 
I'm not going to say too much about them because, hint, hint, we are planning on doing an episode dedicated to this show and movie. Um, I was going to say, lately I've really been on, like, the Crawley Grantham sisters from Downton Abbey. I think that they, I mean, I don't want to, like, get into it too much. And, you know, there's three of them, so I'm not going to go too overboard. But I think that Downton Abbey, I will defend it, like, always. That it is more than just, like, a quote-unquote old people show. Like, it's so good. And Oh, it's of- fantastic. Each of these sisters, like, brings something else to the table. And they're just so different. And I don't know that I have a favorite. I mean, I did, but she died. (laughs) Yeah, R.I.P. Sybil. Seriously. But you just love them each for, like, different reasons. And the show would not be the same without, like, any of them. And even though, yes, Sybil dies, like the first two seasons you couldn't have without Sybil and like honestly it's some of the things that happen because of her like continue throughout the rest of the show and I'll get more into it in the next episode but I would just like to say that the Crawley sisters get an honorable mention yeah yeah well I agree I think that they're great um but I also won't say too much because yeah I think our next episode is going to be Downton and the Downton movie right Yes. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll have much to say about them then. So who's your last? So my last is Brenda Walsh from Beverly Hills 90210. She is OG or the new? No, the OG. Okay. You know, they really didn't in the I mean, maybe we'll do an episode on the reboot too, because I I'm almost done with it. Do you like it? I love it. I want to be stalkers. I'm trying to, because I feel not to like get totally off topic here and not to just like ramble on the podcast, but <laughs> the stalker, I'm trying to think of like old characters because I feel like it's going to be someone from the original, but I can't think of who. Well, I'm not going to tell you. What if it's Emily Valentine, even though she's already on it? You just have to keep watching. Okay. But, you know, on the new, like, they didn't really allude to their storylines that much. I mean, they talked about them a little bit, but they didn't really, like, talk about what Brenda's storyline was going to be. I mean, you have Donna and David that are, they're married and that uh, Andrea is exploring her sexuality. Mm-hmm. And they, like, hint at some of the others, but you don't really get Brenda's. I don't know if that's because she signed on late. Like, she didn't, I read that she didn't sign on until after Luke Perry died because she didn't want to do the show, but she felt like it was a way to honor him. And it makes me sad that they don't tell you what her storyline would have been, because I feel like if he had lived and she had done the show, Brenda and Dylan would have been together, which is like, stop. I think so too. So it just kills me that, you know, that they don't really, cause like, what are they going to say? Like, Oh yeah, that would have been your storyline, but We can't do that because he's not here anymore. So, um, yeah, I just, she's definitely, I was so, I got more excited about the reboot when I found out that Shannon Doherty was going to be back on it because I've always loved her since she was Brenda, even though there are all these rumors about her having been bitchy and difficult to work with. Also, apparently I learned from Instagram, as did you, that, um, SMG and Shannon are best friends and have been for years. And that just like, I love that. That like lifts my soul. I was like, oh, two bad bitches who have been friends since they were like first on TV. I love it. 
it makes me so happy. But yeah, I've been rewatching because I, I haven't actually seen like every episode of 90210, but I was not, I wasn't allowed to watch when it was like first on. So I had to catch reruns on the sly uh, because it was deemed too adult by That's mommy so and daddy. Because mommy literally watches it with me now. Yeah, because she used to watch it and then like kick me out of the room. Like I wasn't allowed. She was like, this isn't for you. I was like, oh okay. My God. That's funny, like compared to today, like it's not that bad. I know it's like nothing. I mean, I was pretty young when it started. It was a little bit adult. Like I was a little bit too young for it. So I've, you know, rewatched it here and there over the years. And I just started like a full rewatch. And I just always loved Brenda. I think because she was a little bit different from the other girls in Beverly Hills. Like one that she was brunette. (laughs) And like, I just, I was like, oh, see, she's not like a blonde, you know, she's not like your typical beach girl. And I think rewatching it, I can see why I liked her so much because, you know, she's, she is smart, but she is the, she's a young girl. Like she wants to have friends. She wants to fit in and you're trying to figure out like, you know, when she gets in trouble and almost fails because she's like hanging out with Kelly and Donna and, you know, she wants to be cool, but she also wants to be successful. And I don't know. I just, I think I related to Brenda a lot and I will just say kind of like what you said about Haley and Nathan and Chuck and Blair, like I am so deeply invested still in Brenda and Dylan that it's ridiculous. Like it really breaks my heart that like no one is ever going to get to see the two of them. Oh be yeah. Together. I because... mean, Brenda and Dylan are, like, truly one of the most iconic couples in TV. Like, everybody, I knew the reference before I even really knew what 90210 was. Like, I've heard of, like, the Kelly, Brenda, Dylan, like, that whole thing before I even knew what it was or started watching it or knew who they were. You know what I mean? Like, that is an iconic part of TV history. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think like when I started watching them, I will for sure. I had a crush on Luke Perry, like without yeah. a doubt, <laughs> because like he was just like, he was just like the ultimate nineties hunk with the hair and everything. And he was, oh, you know, God, it's yeah. funny rewatching some of like the earliest episodes. Cause it's like almost cringy right now to like watch him before he like, before you find out that Dylan has like more of a heart and he's just like this cool rich kid. And it's like, I can't believe these lines. If he wasn't as good looking as he was, like they never would have come off. (laughs) It's like almost painful, but you're like, yeah, but no one was paying attention (laughs) to what he was saying. Let's be honest. (laughs) Um, But so I, I just like, I love them. And I think when I was, when I started seeing it, you know, like reruns and stuff on TV, when I could sneak it, um, I was like in, I probably like, you know, seventh, eighth grade into high school. And it's that time where everything is so emotional and so fraught. And I was so invested in them that it was one of those things where it's like, you're almost like driven to distraction by how much you want them to be together. And I just remember like when he and Kelly were together, I was just infuriated. I was like, this is so unfair. Like it's unfair. (laughs) This could happen in the world. Like I just really, I don't know, somehow I really identified with Brenda and with their romance. And so I just love her. Like, I don't think that, you know, she's not like Elaine or Carmela, but she is an icon too, for sure. Brenda Walsh is. Definitely. I think that all of the 902, the original, let me clarify the original 902 Oh, cast. I think they're all iconic. Like everybody, everybody knows what 90210 means. Everybody knows the theme song. Like you oh, know God, Brenda name. and Brandon. Like every everyone knows that. It's just 
so a part we our whole thing is pop culture it is so still a part of pop culture and yeah I mean I love Brenda too like I think it took a little bit to get around to but I kind of love how much of like a low-key bitch she is <laughs> like yeah but she like, kind of didn't start out that way no she didn't I didn't I didn't like her when I first started watching it really but, yeah I just like couldn't really warm to her like, oh, I kind of liked Kelly better. I feel like Kelly was more sympathetic for a little bit. But again, I'm, like, not even halfway into it. Like, I'm almost done with season two, but isn't there, like, nine seasons? There's, like, ten seasons. Okay, well, even better. <laughs> like, so, but I do. I like Brenda. She's, I like seeing her and Dylan together. And, you know, she is, like, she's not just a bitch. She does have her caring moments, you know. She loves her brother. She loves her boyfriend. She loves her friends. Yeah, and yeah, she has she, a lot going on. Yeah, she does. I think. Yeah, we should. When we're both done watching it, we should like do an episode about it because I feel like that is one of those shows, and that's something that gets referenced a lot in the reboot too. Is that people still love that show? I really hope that they get picked up again because. I would watch it. Like, I really, I, I didn't, it was, like, the reboot I didn't realize that I needed <laughs> when I started watching it. Like, I just love it. And I was, like, I just feel like I'm, like, back with old friends. And for an hour while I'm watching that show, like, the world is right. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, like, light and it's nostalgic and, like, heartwarming. I get it. And I feel like they, like, are in on the joke. You know what I mean? That's why I like, we definitely need to do an episode on this. Because that's why I like this reboot. In an era of where everything is remade and rebooted, which, like, nobody asked for. This, they definitely are kind of, like, poking fun at themselves and the whole idea of that. Which I like. And I'll be honest, when I watched the first episode, I was like, what the hell is going on here? Like, even when I read the article before it even came out. It was like, oh, they're playing themselves, but not actually themselves, but sort of. I was like, what? This is so stupid. (laughs) But yeah, I didn't really understand it. The first episode, I was like, I'm not sure, but I'm going to give it a try. And then after the second one, I was like, oh, I'm kind of hooked. And then by the end, I was like, damn, I can't believe there's only six episodes. I just like want more every week. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll have to once once we finish the the full rewatch, we'll have to discuss because I think that it was. Like they, I mean, it goes on for long enough that they really do deal with some like heavy topics and it's not just not your average like teen drama. So no, I mean, even in the first couple of seasons they do. Yeah. Brenda has a breast cancer scare, which like sadly foreshadows her real life. Yeah. When she has a pregnancy scare, like those are real things. Yeah. Even like the first few episodes that I watched recently, I mean, they touch on uh like you know uh, Andrea lies so that she can go to the school you know and yeah. then Brandon has he makes the assumption that one of the kids on the basketball team one of the black kids on the basketball team you know like lied to be there and they just like touch on these things where you're like oh wow I can't, I'm kind of surprised that this show that was about high school teenagers and was like a primetime soap opera was dealing with these issues in the first oh, yeah. few episodes of the show and, like, addiction, too. Like, Dylan's whole thing is, like, he's a drug addict and he's an alcoholic. And, you know, I think, like, what you, we were talking about with Gossip Girl, that is, like, totally present here, too, where all of these kids are super rich. They have everything, but they've absolutely grown up way too fast. Like, you know, when you first meet Dylan, 
it's like he doesn't his parents don't even like leave messages for him they just like let him have the run of this hotel and he acts like he's you know 30 35 and in reality he's a teenager who is, is completely Chuck? <laughs> i don't know no because i don't think dylan chuck is more deceitful i don't really remember dylan being like yeah. deceitful no you're right I just have such a soft spot in my heart for him. Like, it just, I, I was no, so I love Dylan. Me too. I cried. Like, I, you know, when you just like over, like, you're just overcome by it, where you're like, I wasn't even like invested in this. Not that it's not sad when like a person dies, but you know what I mean? Where it kind of catches you by surprise. You're like, why am I so like affected by this? I mean, oh, I, I did watch him on Riverdale, but like, he wasn't, I don't know. I feel like I was more like, that's when I actually, when he died, that's when I started watching the old 90210. So you would know. I was, like, heartbroken when I would go on Instagram and people kept posting, like, you know, fan yeah. accounts with those pictures of Dylan and Brenda. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh. I know. When he died, I was just like, no. Because he's, you know, you, it's like one of your first crushes. And you're just yeah. like, this and show. He was young. He was, he was young. Yeah. So you think, like. You know, and they were going to do the reboot, and we we're going to get to see them all together again, and and then he's dead, and it was it was really shocking. I was really, really sad to hear uh, that Luke Perry had died. I was it was one of those ones that like hits home. It's not just like some celebrities are older, and you're like, oh, that's sad, mm-hmm. but you don't think that someone like that, you know, you think like someday when they're eighty, yeah, but. Anyway, uh, to end on two hours here. Yeah, this is, well, we knew this was going to be a long one because we're talking about our faves. Yeah. So if you've stayed this long. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for bearing with us. And if you have any thoughts, um, if you share our favorites or you want to, we'd love to hear, you know, who you guys love, um, you know, definitely send us a DM or comment on Instagram remember to follow us at the sister podcast on instagram and subscribe so that you don't ever miss an episode right we have some exciting things lined up hopefully we'll be a little more regulated and scheduled now yeah we have a lot of exciting content coming for you guys so yeah so we have yeah we do we have a lot of really good episode topics coming up so stay tuned and uh we will you know we'll share on instagram and you know be in touch with us yeah well okay until next time all right bye bye bye